And away we go, Hour 2 on a great day for Talk Radio. It's a Friday edition. You know, there's a lot of interesting news that Donnie was just relating, although uh, I heard through the grapevine Alec Baldwin was arrested for punching someone in a parking spot dispute in New York City earlier today. So let's see if we can verify that. Uh, And it would be even richer if it were out in front of the Trump building. Uh, But we're going to find out. Alec Baldwin getting into a (laughs) punch-up. Dear, oh dear. Uh, There are a lot of people who would pay cash money for the privilege, so I don't know exactly what that was. But we'll uh, we'll drill down on all the things that are necessary to know this afternoon. And uh, we do have our panel coming by, topics worthy of discussion in just a moment. Something we were addressing just just before the news update, how antibiotics seem to be overprescribed in parts of the GTA and the province and why that is on a need-to-know basis because, well, this is, you know, the season where a lot of people catch strep throat and uh, things like that. Uh, But increasingly, it seems, some of these antibiotics are being resisted by superbugs and the like. On a need-to-know basis, Dr. Brett Belchetz is back with us, Global News Radio medical expert. Brett, it's good to have you back on board. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. Well, this is, a, you know, I guess the medical profession has kind of recognized that the superbugs are growing as, uh, you know, part of the resistance against uh, antibiotics. Uh, this becomes problematic if overprescribing uh, seems now to happen in certain parts of the GTA. Like they're saying, this uh, report from the Canadian Medical Association Journal, Mississauga Halton especially so. What do you make of it? Well, I don't think any of this is is surprising. So this is something that we've we've known about for quite some time, and it's something that we've been growing more and more concerned about over time. Um, as we uh, start to see more and more resistance on the part of bacteria to the antibiotics we use, you know, we've heard more and more alarm bells rung that physicians need to really curtail their prescribing. And there's lots of evidence to show, and I can think of at least a half dozen research studies over the last couple of years that. In many, many situations where physicians prescribe antibiotics, they're doing so inappropriately, where they're giving antibiotics for a common cold or another condition that really does not show any improvement when we prescribe antibiotics. So, uh, you know, I think most physicians are aware of this. It's unfortunate that we're still seeing a lot of physicians that are over-prescribing these medications. More unfortunate that we're also seeing so many patients that demand antibiotics, even in response to the common cold. I think what's surprising about these new numbers, at least to me, is just the variability across a small amount of geography. I can't begin to imagine, you know, why certain parts of even the GTA would have dramatically different prescribing rates of antibiotics versus other parts of the GTA. So I think that there is a lot more research. That would be the big surprise and interesting thing here in this study. Well, could it be a case? I know in the study they cited perhaps it has to do with uh, clinics and clinicians all working under one roof, you know, in a concentrated place, and they're all sort of singing off the same hymn sheet or uh, believing that this is, you know, the way to address somebody who's got a complaint of a cold or strep throat and so easily write a script. Well, I think we need to dig a little uh, bit deeply into this. So it certainly could be one clinic that is overprescribing. It could be a group of physicians whose practice, you know, isn't by the books. The other thing that I just think about also is just what is the patient population that's being treated. We certainly have different demographics in different parts of the GTA. So uh, there are certainly some cultures that that are, you know, much more strongly uh, demanding of antibiotics and believing that antibiotics are the cure to all ills. And so, you know, I think we need to look at, you know, what are what are the cultural makeup uh, of these communities that are, you know, having higher rates of prescribing? What is the age makeup, et cetera? Again, older adults tend to, you know, have a much stronger demand for antibiotics than younger adults. I think most young adults I speak to are quite aware that antibiotics aren't as necessary, whereas a lot of the time when I treat older patients, they grew up in an era where antibiotics were given out like candy. So, you know, these are just some of the the, the initial questions that occur in my mind. But what 
really, I think what's clear here is something is different, and we do need to understand it a little bit better. Well, all right. What you seem to be saying is the health ministry, it's incumbent upon them to uh, do some kind of audit. Yeah, I think that there does need to be a secondary research study here to see what's happening. I wouldn't, you know, expend a huge amount of effort because I think what's more important is uh, targeting these areas to try to bring down the antibiotic prescribing rate. So I wouldn't wait till a secondary study was done to start trying to fix the problem. So I think what we'd really want to do is start tracing back those prescriptions, figure out where they're coming from, and actually really targeted uh, education uh, campaigns should be given to those physicians that are over-prescribing or to those patients that we see are receiving too many antibiotics. So I'd want to start addressing the problem and not, not wait for you know tons and tons of data and years of research before we start doing anything about this. Again, Dr. Brett Belchett's with us, Global News Radio. Radio's medical expert, where a report came out from the Canadian Medical Association Journal that's uh, saying certain pockets in the GTA are over-prescribing antibiotics. And of course, where that gets us into trouble is antibiotic resistance. You get the sense that maybe there's a false sense of security on the part of people that, uh, hey, I can just take the antibiotic, it'll clear up the cold, there will always be something around the corner if there's a superbug or whatever, it'll be addressed by the medical, uh, you know, community or uh, some the the health tax uh, is that a false sense of security Brett yeah I think so I think among almost all patients uh, I think they always believe I'm not going to be the person that's diagnosed with that multi-drug resistant bug and 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 for sure even if there is a major uh, I, I think sort of meltdown or catastrophe in the future where all of our antibiotics are no longer effective, for sure everybody will just come together and figure out a solution. I think people really have that sense of comfort until they are the one that's affected. And so what I've seen is the patients who come down with a bug that nothing can treat, their attitude shifts really, really quickly. And, and you know, they don't they aren't the ones that demand antibiotics uh, for minor conditions anymore. But, you know, I think, I think the problem here is that's a small minority of, of patients. And I think until it's the majority Unfortunately, or when it is the majority, I think we're going to be too far down this path. So, you know, I think there's there's been a lot of efforts, again, to cur- curtail prescribing. I think it has to go in two directions. So I've seen tons of education oriented towards physicians to say don't prescribe antibiotics unnecessarily. I think we really, really need to start educating patients better because I, as a physician, can tell you that most of the time when I don't prescribe an antibiotic to a patient, when I tell them this is a viral infection and antibiotics aren't going to help you, they are unhappy. Patients want antibiotics, and they really, really are not shy about expressing their displeasure when I refuse to prescribe them antibiotics. And so we need to educate patients very, very much better than we do so that physicians aren't put into a position where, you know, they're either going to inappropriately prescribe antibiotics or face a patient complaint. So I, I think, you know, there, there's obviously lots of work to be done on, on both sides of this, um, and I think the fact that we're seeing these super high prescribing rates still says that, you know, we're very early in this battle and probably not having a lot of success with what we've done so far. You know, that distinction between bacterial and viral infections, as you say, education is necessary. I guess the lay person doesn't really know. They just don't feel well. Uh, but how should we go about educating ourselves? What's, you know, tell us the distinctions. Well, you, you know, there, there, there's, I think, a, a basic set of knowledge that most of the time when we're getting sick, most of us know what a, what a colder virus feels like. It's that runny, stuffy nose and cough and, and maybe a mild fever and a bit of a headache and muscle ache. You know, that's the flu and that's a cold. And that makes up uh, a higher proportion of medical visits than almost anything else. And so what we need to remember is that when we have those symptoms, those, those basic runny nose viral type infections, that those are almost always caused by viruses. And even if they're not getting better after four or five days, you do not need an antibiotic. An antibiotic is not going to make you better. And in fact, 
an antibiotic very likely is going to make you worse and cause complications. There are very high rates of side effects of antibiotics. You know, even if we're not getting drug resistance, it can cause things like diarrhea, nausea, vomiting, uh, drug reactions. You know, these are medications that can actually be quite harmful to our system. So you should not want to take these if you don't need them because they can actually make you quite a bit worse in terms of how you feel. So that would be my top line of advice. Um, my secondary line of advice is that, that, you know, when you go to see the doctor, um, you know, really I, I think it's important for people to realize that, um, you know, when we're going in, we're not going in to sort of tell the doctor, you know, this is what I want. You're going in to get a diagnosis and you're going in to get the right treatment. And I think if we go in with the mindset that there's only one treatment that's going to make us happy, a lot of the time we may end up getting that treatment because we can be very pushy and forceful, but that treatment may not be the right one for us. So I think there's, there's a lot of education to say, take a step back, actually go into the doctor, visit with an open mind about what the diagnosis is and what the treatment is. Don't go in looking for one specific diagnosis and treatment. I know the last time we spoke, it was fairly recently as well. It had to do with uh, getting the flu shot, you know, vaccinations uh, being the deterrent to uh, a lot of illness and, of course, uh, contracting the flu uh, for the most part. I don't want to be alarmist when I ask this, but are we due for a major epidemic somewhere along the line, do you feel? Well, I, I think everybody's been concerned about that for a long period of time. You know, the flu is an illness that, that comes in waves, and when it comes badly, it can cause a lot of illness and a lot of death. Um, you know, I think the big fear is that we may have a recurrence of uh, the Spanish flu epidemic that occurred almost 100 years ago now. And that was, you know, one of the worst epidemics that we've ever seen and killed literally millions of people. And many of the people that it killed were young, healthy adults and you know, really unprecedented. We've never seen anything like it since then. And there's a lot of questions, even in now in this day and age, about why that was so bad and what was different about that flu versus others. And I think there's a persistent fear in the medical community that, you know, at any point in time, we could have another one of those types of epidemics. And so are we due for it? I, I don't know. I would say um, it's possible at any point in time. And I think we always have to be very, very watchful because when that comes, it's something that none of us have really experienced in our lifetimes. I'm not sure that we're going to be prepared for it. Yeah, I, I believe I've read somewhere it was like 100 million people worldwide were felled by the Spanish flu in 1908 or thereabouts. Yeah, it was... It was uh, 1918, the, maybe? Yeah, I think that's around what it was. It was one of the most deadly epidemics in modern history, if you can call that modern history. And so, you know, many of us are not even aware of it. Many of us have, have you know, most of us were not alive. Most of us have no recollection. Um, I don't think most of us realize just how bad that was. So, it, you know, it's one of these things I think most of us who have studied medical history live in, in quite a bit of fear of. And, uh, you know, there's nothing out there that's different about the world really today versus back then that would say that we're not going to have another one of those at some point in time. So, uh, you know, there is something legitimately uh, out there for us to be afraid of. Fair enough. All right. On that ominous note, uh, <laughs> we'll part company. You have a great weekend. It's always a pleasure to talk and get your insights, Brett. Thank you to you as well. All right, Dr. Brett Belchett's Global News Radio medical expert. Yeah, it was 1918, uh, because I remember thinking at the time in the scourge of the First World War coming to an end, right around this time, the armistice signed the 11th hour, the 11th day of the 11th month, and uh, so that's and that's where we got, you know, the poppy campaign in the aftermath. And I had broached that earlier that uh, I saw a dude last night wearing a white poppy, and, you know, I remembered this is a pacifist signal. And whether that's appropriate on or around Remembrance Day is a topic worthy of discussion. And I'll put it to our panel. They're coming up next. Michael Giles, Sherry DeNovo, and John Capobianco on The Oakley Show. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.